I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and it's another edition of our press review show, the show in which we are going to be uh, doing the rounds, uh, finding all the Arsenal-related transfer stories and bringing them to you all in one place. We'll be discussing them as well. I'll be sharing my opinions and views on some of them, as well as getting uh, some of you guys' thoughts from the chat box as well. We'll be taking some of your questions as well throughout and towards the end of the show. So lots and lots coming your way uh, within the next hour or so. Can't wait to get stuck into this one. I had a few people asking me this morning um, if I feel any different to the way that I felt yesterday um, after, obviously, the the end to the season, the fact that Arsenal did narrowly miss out on Champions League qualification. And the answer is no. I feel exactly the same. Obviously, I'm disappointed. Obviously, I'm frustrated. Obviously, I know that there was an opportunity there for us to grab, for us to take, for us to grasp with both hands. We were unable to do so, but it doesn't mean that there hasn't been good work done at Arsenal Football Club this season. It doesn't mean there hasn't been any progress and it doesn't mean we're not moving in the right direction. So as I keep saying to you guys, still a bit raw at the moment and myself and Mike Stavrou, we're going to break down Arsenal's season tomorrow on our live show at 12.30pm UK time in numbers. So that'll be interesting because that will give us cold, hard facts from which we can then begin to build, I think, uh, sort of more educated conclusions and opinions around whether or not Arsenal moved forward this season. So really, really uh, looking forward to that. Um, we're going to do that tomorrow. We're going to continue to to break down the season over the course of the next week and a half or so. But we're also going to be keeping you across all the latest transfer stories because very often, once the Premier League season ends, that is what people want. People want content and people want to be updated and kept in the loop with regards to what is being said about their club and their pursuits of new players. So there's lots and lots and lots and lots of us, uh, sorry, of content to keep us busy over the course of the summer as well. And we're not going anywhere. The Chronicles of Aguna will continue throughout the summer. Uh, so please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you are subscribed and make sure you leave a like on the video. I beg your pardon. Hay fever, getting the best of me. Um, lots of you listening from very interesting places uh, today. Uh, we've got um, we've got uh, Mikey, who says um, he's listening on his bike commute. There was somebody in the chat a little bit earlier on who said they were on the M25. There it is, Riddy. Uh, it says, catching you live on the M25 of all places. The M25 is easily on my list of the top five places I hate most. I, I hate being on the M25 because if you get stuck, I really don't want to jinx you, Riddy, but if you get stuck on the M25, you are done for. Um, so wish you were the best. Hope you get to uh, wherever you need to get to without any problems. Um, let me just uh, pick up uh, a couple more comments. Uh, DS says, what qualifies you as a football pundit, Harry? Absolutely nothing. I've never claimed to be a football pundit. I'm an Arsenal fan uh, who happens to work nowadays as a broadcaster, which I'm really, really proud of. But I am still an Arsenal fan. Um, I don't think that my opinions carry any more weight than anybody else's. I've never said they do. And just because I disagree with certain opinions, it doesn't mean that I don't respect them. What I will say, though, is 
at this point, and, and, and this was never a problem at the beginning, but as the channel's grown and as the podcast has grown, um, I get a lot more criticism. I get a lot more stick. I get a lot more um, people sort of wanting to have a go at me at various points in the season. And, you know, that's part of the territory. I can deal with it. I can live with it. No problem. Um, I'll take it. But from now on, I am going to... Um, I am going to block people that that go over the line with it. I am going to start blocking those accounts and I'm not even going to bother entertaining it in the way that I probably did a little bit too much yesterday or have done at various other points in the season. But when this is something, um, you know, when this is something that you're really passionate about and when you do something, and when you're lucky enough to do something that you're really passionate about, your emotions will get the better of you sometimes. And sometimes I will bite back and sometimes I will react. And I make no apology for that because... For me, you know, it just reminds me of how much I care about what I do and how much I care about this football club. But I'm not saying I'm a football pundit. I've never said that. But what I do think now is that if you don't like the content, if you don't want to listen to the content, nobody is forcing you. And therefore, there's no reason why I should have to deal with it every single episode and on every single show. Because it, it dawned on me this morning that actually getting sucked into those arguments and while it's good that we we have that debate and we can go back and forth because when you're doing a solo podcast that's really important to have that interaction so it's good but the people that start to cross a line I don't need that anymore you know I, I don't need it I'm not number chasing you know I'm in a a place where I'm really enjoying what I'm doing I'm really enjoying my job I'm really enjoying the journey that I'm on and I and I just don't need it um so I will block those people that cross that line because I get sucked into it and then it takes away from the content that I'm putting out for all those people that do enjoy it I don't like EastEnders I don't watch it I don't go on criticizing it and I don't tell people they shouldn't watch it but I don't watch it because I don't like it you won't find me uh, commenting about EastEnders on social media. So the point I'm trying to make here is that from now on, if you disagree with me, that's absolutely fine. But for those people that cross the line and go that little bit too far, they'll just be blocked because I don't need it anymore. I can't be bothered for it. Um, and as I say, it takes away uh, from what we're actually trying to do here. Um, a massive, massive thank you to Abhishek for your very, uh, very kind uh, super chat donation. We've had a few over the last sort of 24 hours and lots of wonderful comments about the season, uh, the season's work, the season's body of work uh, that we've done here on the Chronicles of Aguna. And I'm a massive, um, well, I'm, I'm in massive debt to all of you guys because the channel's grown incredibly. Again, uh, the podcast has grown incredibly again. Um, and we've got more and more people tuning in um, which is amazing. So um, thank you because you guys, as I've said before, is, it have given me the platform to go on and do a lot of really cool things in the world of work that I really wanted to do. So um, yeah, really, really grateful. And thank you to Abhishek who says, just wanted to appreciate you for all the great and hard work you've done for us all season. Big up yourself and the channel. Let's get bigger and better on and off the pitch. Absolutely. Um, thank you so, so much, mate. Right. Let's get into it then. Um, let's focus on what we're here to focus on, which is, of course, um, some of the uh, press stories going around this afternoon uh, about uh, Arsenal, players that we're linked with and players that could potentially be leaving the club. We'll go through all of that. Then we'll get your thoughts. We'll get some of your questions. Um, I'm going to get you guys to let me know where you're listening from a little bit later on in the show as well, because that's always great to hear too. Um, so yeah, let's keep it interactive. But let's start off with the first story that involves Leicester City midfielder 
Yuri Tielemans. Now, it's long been talked about that he is somebody that Mikel Arteta and Arsenal admire. And with Yuri Tielemans' current contract situation, the way it is, he's moving into the final year of his Leicester City contract. There is a feeling uh, that Leicester City may well have to let the Belgian go this summer, who's already kind of hinted at the fact that he wants to move on and he wants to play for a bigger club. Now, I think had Arsenal got into the Champions League, deals like this would have been far easier to do because in a place where the market is crowded, you know, there'll be a lot of clubs that look at Yuri Tielemans and think that he could do a good job there. Hasn't had the greatest season this season, but has proven, I think, over the last couple of years that he's a very, very good player with a lot of potential, a lot of ability, and still with a lot of room to grow. Um, and being in the Champions League would have seen us in that kind of crowded marketplace stand out. So obviously, we're going to have to deal with the fact that we're not in uh, the Champions League now, and that is going to weaken us slightly in negotiations. I do have a confidence, though, that Arsenal have identified who they want already, that they'd have already tested the waters with a lot of these players. And I do take confidence based on the fact that we didn't do very much in January, nothing at all, in fact, in terms of bringing people in. Uh, that does make me believe that actually, you know, we would have at least used that time um, to, to make plans. And we didn't make those moves that a lot of fans wanted us to make because we had a clear plan for the summer and we were fearful of jeopardising that and tying our hands behind our backs and being then unable to go on and do what it is that we want to do this summer. Now, Yuri Tielemans, um, as I say, is somebody that Arsenal are known to admire. M according to a report in The Telegraph today, Mikel Arteta has urged the Arsenal board and I quote, to make an aggressive £25 million bid for the Belgian who has just a year to run on his current Leicester City contract. So Yuri Tielemans um, wants out. Leicester, you feel, will probably think sensible, uh, think it's sensible to cash in on him this time around, as opposed to letting him run down his contract. And so Arsenal need to be able to take advantage of that situation. Now, I've spoken about this before. OK, Arsenal don't have the resource of Manchester City of Manchester United, um, of Newcastle United, of Chelsea in years gone by, um, and perhaps uh, don't have the resource that Liverpool now have because of their amazing and immense growth over the last few years under Jurgen Klopp. So we have to be clever. We have to be shrewd. We have to take advantage of situations like this Yuri Tillman situation in order to help us bridge the gap between ourselves and where we want to be at the end of the uh, at the end of next season, we want to continue building this group. We want to continue developing and improving this squad. And there's clearly a real sort of emphasis on doing that with youth and players who we feel could go on and take us to that next level. Not just in the immediate future, not just in the interim, but for many many years to come. It's about sustainability with Arsenal Football Club, and that's why they're looking at a very specific age profile of player. Now, we went out last summer and we'd done a lot of that. We went and bought players that we thought could improve the team today, but also with a view to them being long-term fixtures at the club who could go on and take us to that next level. And if they do, would remain uh, really sort of strong and powerful assets in terms of our ability, if we need to, to be able to go on and sell them. So I think that Arsenal... Um, you know, know what they're doing. The, the remit is clear. The plan is clear. I think that for me... Um, there is almost a 
a template of what Mikel Arteta is looking for. And Yuri Tielemans ticks a lot of those boxes. I do think that in a situation like this, where Yuri Tielemans is probably going to have a few options, you need to be quite bold. You need to be quite brave. You need to be quite quick um, in the market. And that's why I'm hoping that Arsenal will get their business done sooner rather than later. But one thing I would like to urge people to remember as we go into transfer season is that that is not always in your club's hands specifically. That is not only down to you, right? You could make a bid for Yuri Tielemans. Leicester could take weeks to respond because they're waiting to see what else is going to come in. They could delay it. They could press the pause button because they want to see what kind of offers they're going to get and go for what suits them best. Equally, Yuri Tielemans could say, I'm going to wait and see. You know, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Also, there's the element of negotiation. You know, you you don't go in to a transfer negotiation offering top wax straight away. There will be a build-up and there will be back and forth between the two clubs, unless it's already been indicated what Leicester City are looking for for Yuri Tielemans. So the point I'm trying to make is like, if you think about, and I, and I always use this analogy, if you think about how long it takes you to purchase a house or a property, you know, and you think about all the the jumping through hoops that needs to be done, all the box ticking that needs to happen and, and how long that can take. I know this is football and it's different, but now you're talking about a deal worth in excess of £25 million. You could buy 50 of uh, of my property with that. Maybe more, probably more. So it, it goes to show you that these big deals, these big sums of money that are going to be exchanged between football clubs are going to hit snags and there's going to be... Um, you know, there's going to be problems and there's going to be issues and there's going to be roadblocks that you hit. So although in an ideal world, you'd like to get all your business done early, you'd like to have all those players involved in your pre-season preparations. You'd like to take them on tour with you so that that camaraderie and that bond can start to be built between them and their colleagues and their teammates. It isn't always that simple. What I don't want, though, is to go into the last week of the window like we have done so often recent years and be waiting for Arsenal to get deals over the line. You know, so let, let's see um, how this goes. Uh, I think 33 Fivers makes a great point as well. You know, it's easier if you have a bottomless pit of money to offer clubs and players alike. And we know that Arsenal don't have that. We know that Arsenal are going to be working to a budget. We're not going to get into the whole Cronky debate again. Um, we've done that over and over again over the last few years. So let's just focus on what we know we do have or what we think we have um, and work to those parameters. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the report. Yuri Tielemans is someone like Mikel Arteta likes that Arsenal are very, very much interested in. And uh, Mikel Arteta, according to this report from The Telegraph, has urged the Arsenal board to make an aggressive uh, opening bid of £25 million. Is that that aggressive? I don't think that it is. I don't think that it's an unfair offer given his contract status, his situation and the season that he's coming off the back of. But I wouldn't go as far as saying it's aggressive. So I found that uh, that choice of term quite interesting, I have to say. Moving on, uh, Juventus have launched a full-scale attempt to sign Gabriel. The Arsenal centre-back is seen as the perfect replacement in the long term for the outgoing Giorgio Chiellini. What do I think about this? Well, Juventus can try. Juventus could admire the player. Juventus could quite like the player. And there's lots and lots to like about Gabriel. I think he's been um, overall very, very good this season. I think there have been a few games in which he's 
sort of lost his way a little bit and he's shown that rash side of him. I think we've seen that from time to time. We all knew it was there. And I guess the, the key is with someone like Gabriel, who too is very young and he's still developing and he's still moving in the right direction, is by no means the finished article. I think that what the key has been is, is to make sure that he's more consistent. And I think this season he's been more consistent than he's probably ever been throughout his career in terms of the level he's played at. You've also got to remember that at times he's had to play with makeshift left backs. Um, that's been a problem. He's had to play at times with Rob Holding, which I'm not going to go as far as saying is a massive problem, but it isn't the same as playing with Ben White. I think the partnership between Gabriel and Ben White works really, really well in the sense of they both bring different things to the table and they both bring perhaps what the other one lacks into the equation. And obviously that gives us a, a really good balance. And for the most part this season, the pair of them have been very, very good and very, very solid. Um, so as I say, Juventus could well be interested in Gabriel and Juventus could well try uh, to tempt him away and try to tempt Arsenal into, um, into selling him. But A, I don't think that Juventus have the finance that would be enough to convince Arsenal at this point. We know that Juventus tend to go around Italy and almost bully uh, some of the smaller profile clubs into letting players go. And they very often get their way in terms of loan deals with obligations to buy and things like that to kind of prolong um, you know, the deal and give themselves the ability to structure it in a way that works best for them. Arsenal don't need to do that. Arsenal won't do that. And I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if Gabriel was to leave Arsenal um, between now and the start of next season. I, I really do think that he is somebody who features heavily in Mikel Arteta's plans, who has been one of our standout performers over the course of the season. Um, and I think that, um, you know, that we're going to see him here for many, many years to come. Um, look, I can see there's a few of you putting lots of interesting questions in the chat. Please do hold fire on them so that I don't lose them in the chat. Um, and uh, and I promise you we'll do like a good 15, 20 minute um, Q&A session towards the end of the show, which will, you can ask whatever you want in. Um, but I am curious to know what Sheriff Rick wants to know um, and wants to ask, because he says, Harry, I want to ask you an honest question, mate, when you have the time. Chuck it in the chat. Let's do it. Um, OK, let's move on to another story. We spoke yesterday in the post-match reaction show about Mohamed Elneny and the fact that he looks set uh, to sign a one-year contract extension with the option to extend that by a further year at the end. Um, and, and, and a lot of people are happy about this and, and others are not so happy about it. And I just think that Mohamed Elneny is somebody who I don't mind staying in the squad and staying in the group as long as it's very clear that his role is to come in as a backup, um, you know, every now and again, when we're desperate, he's got to be fourth, fifth choice in the midfield for me, because I, I don't think that he's up to the level required if we're going to push forward, if we're going to move on. Now, that's not to say, okay, that he's, um, that's not to say that he's a, he's an awful player, but I think when you have him in the team, over the period of five, six games, actually you can get away with that and it looks okay. And and people were coming away from those games talking about how well he'd done and how much of a good job he'd done to kind of backfill that position. The problem starts and the problem begins to rear its ugly head. In my personal opinion, when he ends up playing 10, 12, 13 games, and, and that's the problem. So 
I think that as long as it is with a very clear idea of what his role is going to be, then I'm I'm okay with that. And uh, credit to Kaya Kainak of London who managed to spot uh, Mohamed Elneny posing with the club photographer and taking some pictures yesterday uh, within Emirates Stadium. So that's the latest on him. I want to talk a little bit about William Saliba, who made some comments uh, just a few days ago with regards to his future. And a lot has been made of this over the last few days. So what exactly did William Saliba say? His words were, I want to come back and play Champions League. And if you were in any doubt as to who he was talking about when he said, I want to come back, he said, I have never played it and I want to uh, to discover it here. So William Saliba kind of saying like, I want to play Champions League with Marseille. And obviously Marseille have a, uh, are going to be in the Champions League and Arsenal are not. And that puts them in a in a strong position in that sense. But at the end of the day, William Saliba is Arsenal's player. And what William Saliba wants at this moment in time is not the be-all and end-all. It's what Arsenal want. You know, there's been a lot of talk over the last year or so, and, and, and I've spoken about it on numerous occasions um, with regards to, you know, with regards to what his... Um, you know, his, his future holds and whether he can possibly come back and work with Mikel Arteta after all that's happened and after the way he was uh, treated by the club and, and sort of left kind of unregistered for half a season. And I totally get all that. I completely understand why William Saliba would have been very, very frustrated and very, very disappointed with that. Um, but at the end of the day, he's under contract at Arsenal Football Club. And we cannot allow ourselves to be bullied into doing something that we don't want to do. Either he has a future at Arsenal Football Club and you bring him back and, you know, and you, and you get him involved. Or if you're getting that vibe and you're getting that impression and you're getting the feeling from that player and his representatives that it just isn't going to work at Arsenal, then you seek to recuperate as much of the £27 million fee that um, that you pay to bring him in. And I, and I, I can't get my head around why, for a lot of people... They don't get that. Like, listen, if it were me and, and William Saliba wanted it and William Saliba was showing that he'd be a good addition and that his head's right and that he's ready to go and he's ready to perform and he's ready to give everything for the cause and everything for the shirt, I would bring him back and, and he'd be my third centre-back at the moment. And with Europa League football next season, he'd be likely to play a lot of games and he'd be likely to get a lot of game time. We've seen that Ben White picks up injuries from time to time, as does Gabriel. Um, and so, you know, he'd be the third option. He'd move ahead of Rob Holding for me and he'd be someone that could become a very, very important part of the squad and part of the group. But if there's any doubt about that, if there's any question mark about that, then we've got to sell him to the highest bidder. And we've got to let him go to whoever it is that is willing to come and put that money on the table. Now, I'm not convinced, knowing the little that I know about the the financial situation Marseille find themselves in, that they'll be able to make that deal happen. And a lot of the times in these situations, the player has that clout and that ability to be able to not ultimately dictate what happens, but to be able to um, to be able to try and sway uh, the, the decision in one way or the other. You know, I mean, for example, if, I don't know, let's say Atletico Madrid came in for William Saliba and William Saliba didn't want to go there, um, 
you know, then he wouldn't agree personal terms. And then that deal can't be completed and that deal can't happen. And if Marseille were in for him as well, and we're offering five, seven million pounds less, but he wanted to go there and he was happy to agree terms and happy to get that deal done. Um, then, then you probably at some point as a football club have to swallow that and just let it happen so that you can, um, you know, get the deal done and get the player off your books and get something in for him and move on. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be really, really interesting. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens with this. And I think we'll learn um, a lot about William Saliba. I am going to bring uh, somebody on once we have some clarity around William Saliba's future uh, from the 90 men France team, uh, who I had the pleasure of speaking to at length about William Saliba uh, while we were out in Barcelona last week to give us the download here on the show for you guys um, on his season so far and whether or not Arsenal should be looking to keep him. Um, if not, what should we be asking for him? What's the situation with Marseille? We'll get all of that info um, once it becomes a little bit more clear as to, to how his uh, future looks. Uh, Sheriff says, did you see my question? I did and I favourited it and I will come back to that in just a little bit. Um, in other news, just a couple of other quick bits and pieces that I just wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, ben Leno, uh, the Arsenal goalkeeper, is being linked with a move to Benfica this summer. Uh, not sure whether that is something that is realistic, not sure whether that is a goer, but that is one of the reports that is doing the rounds at the moment. Bern Leno could potentially be on his way to Benfica this summer. We'll keep you across all the stories being written about the mighty Arsenal um, on a daily basis. I promise that we'll keep that going throughout the summer. So, um, Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you haven't done so already and make sure you leave a like on the video. There's nearly 500 of you with us right now, but we've only got 81 likes on the board. Come on, let's get that up. It really does help. It helps the channel. It helps the video. Um, it helps everybody and it only takes you a second. So please, please do get involved. Uh, just while I remember, I want to bring you uh, to the attention of the latest auction going on. Um, with our friends over at Football Prizes who currently have up for grabs an Arsene Wenger signed and framed Arsenal shirt plus the opportunity to win eight instant win prizes, details of which are on the website. The link is in the description and you can head over to Football Prizes, purchase your ticket for just £2.95 and you'll be entered into the draw uh, which takes place after the competition ends this evening at 7.30pm. So if you are listening on audio, you've missed the boat. Um, but hopefully you picked up on the message in a previous show and got on it. There are 199 tickets available and at the time of recording, 154 of them have already been sold. So you are running out of time. Uh, if this is something you're interested in, get involved. Football prizes. Um, check them out. The link is in the description and please do get involved. Okay, let's uh, move over to the chat box then. Look, we got ages. We got a good half an hour uh, of which we can spend solely answering you guys' questions. So fill up the chat box, smash the like button while you're at it. And, of course, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Right, let's address uh, that very intriguing question from Sheriff, uh, who asked, do you think we can afford to get rid of Smith Rowe and Tierney with the extra games in Europa and the loss of funds from not qualifying for the CL? For me, they're too injury-prone and unreliable. So, to start off with, um, I'm not going to say 
that we should get rid of those two players because I think they're both good players. I think that Smith Rose had a little bit of a difficult time of late, but I think he's shown enough throughout the course of this season that he is still on an upward trajectory. Comes back to what I've been saying about a lot of these young players throughout the campaign. They're young, they're developing, they're still in a place where consistency is a bit of an issue for them. And I think that we've seen with Emil Smith-Rowe, he's picked up a few injuries, he's had a few problems, he's been in and out of the side, and he's just lost that bit of momentum uh, that we saw him have earlier on in the campaign. I still believe there's a big player in there. I still believe there's a great player in there, and I would be um, keen to keep hold of him for sure. As for Kieran Tierney, again, look, wonderful, wonderful player, but the injury-prone bit, that's a valid, valid concern. And I don't know that, we should be looking to move him on, but I do know that we should be looking to put something in place that gives us a little bit more security and a little bit more competence, sorry to put it that way, in that position when he is absent, because it's clearly going to be something that we're going to have to contend with over and over and over again with Kieran Tierney. You know, um, it's sad, it's a problem, and and obviously he's even been ruled out of Scotland's, um, you know, potential uh, qualifier uh, with Ukraine for the uh, World Cup, not potential qualifier, it is taking place. But Kieran Tierney is, of course, going to miss that. And um, yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, um, I'm in a place now where I want Arsenal to build on this squad and to grow on this squad and to improve this squad and to take it to the next level. And I don't think letting two good players go um, is going to is going to be a signal of us moving in the right direction. Let's take some more of your questions, of your thoughts. Uh, let's take this one from the Mile High Goon. I hope you're well, mate. Um, I hope you're doing good. Uh, he says, do you think Yuri Tielemans is the right profile on and off the pitch or should we push harder for Nevis? And does Nevis fit that profile better in your opinion? Well, if you'd have asked me this question last season, when I thought that Arsenal were, or even at the start of the season, when I thought that what Mikel Arteta wanted was more like a 4-2-3-1, I would have said that Ruben Neves is the better fit. Because I think what Ruben Neves gives you is he gives you a defensive solidity in the sense of his positioning, um, the, the fact that he's very secure in possession under pressure situations means he's quite suited to playing in those deep line positions and can help you progress the ball out. But he's also got that ability to step that little bit further forward and get involved in the game and make things happen in that sense too. So had we been focused on that 4-2-3-1 thing, um, then I would have said that that Ruben Neves is the better fit. But having seen that when everybody's fit, and unfortunately it's not been the case for quite some time now, Mikel Arteta appears to be leaning towards um, the 4-3-3, you know, with Thomas Partey as that single defensive midfield pivot. I do think now that Yuri Tielemans would be the right fit. Also, you've got to remember as well that Yuri Tielemans' contract situation is one that we could potentially pounce on, is one that we could potentially take advantage of. So, yeah, I think that right now Tielemans is the right guy um, and I'd be fully behind that deal and fully behind that move. I think we've had to kind of go back to that 4-2-3-1 again. We've had to take a couple of steps back to deal with the absence of Thomas Partey. I wouldn't like to see Granit Xhaka as that sole defensive midfielder. I think we've seen it before and it doesn't really work. He can't play that role in the way that Thomas Partey can, but he can play um, as part of a, a midfield three and he can play and has played exceptionally well for the most part this season. But when he gets that little bit further forward, 
I don't know. And I'm in fact, I do know that he doesn't have the same goal threat, the same ability to impact games in terms of assists and, and, and with killer passes in the way that, that Yuri Tielemans does. So I, I think Tielemans will be a good fit. Yeah. The reason I was kind of against the idea, if I can even say I was against it previously, was that I never thought that we'd be able to get him for, for anything reasonable. But as I say, opportunities present themselves. And, and this is one. And, um, you know, given his contract situation, I think we've got to at least try for Yuri Tielemans. But again, you know, there will be, if Arsenal fail to do this deal now that it's kind of, being talked about publicly, you get the feeling that there will be that meltdown. And then when he goes, if he goes somewhere else and does well, people will say, we should have signed Yuri Tielemans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of the matter here is that there will be a number of clubs interested in Yuri Tielemans. So I guess that's why Mikel Arteta is urging the club, according to this report in the Telegraph, to act quickly, decisively and promptly in a bid to get this deal done. Uh, let's continue uh, through the chat. Um, I'm going to do a specific show on this um, over the course of the next week or so as I break down uh, what I think we've done well this season and what I think we've done not so well. I'm going to um, look towards what the priorities should be. But off the top of my head, I'd say we need a striker. That is number one for me. I think we need another fullback and I think we need another centre midfielder. Um, so I think we, if you're going to put them in the, in the top three, those are the three for me. Striker. Um, fullback and defensive midfielder, um, I think, are the, the positions that we really need to look at. Clocken Seb says, as a Serie A fan, have you seen anything from Torreira this season to make you think he could do a good job in our squad next season? I've never really doubted Lucas Torreira's ability to contribute something to the squad. Um, you know, from the day he arrived at Arsenal, I was pretty excited. I was pretty optimistic because of what I'd seen of him um, prior during his time at Sampdoria. I think he's got a lot to offer. I, I do, but he isn't happy here. He hasn't been happy here for a long, long time. And to think that he's going to return and just slot back into the side and, and be a part of Mikel Arteta's squad after there's been very little effort, you'd imagine, on Mikel Arteta's part to keep hold of him. Maybe that's a little bit unfair, but because the player clearly doesn't want to be in England as well. But I, I just get the impression that, um, you know, Lucas Torreira's Arsenal days are done. Um, I did read something yesterday and I did hear something yesterday. So obviously, Lucas Torreira is currently on loan um, at Fiorentina and uh, that loan spell officially ends on the 30th of June. So he'll be back on Arsenal's books and he does have until June 2023 to run on his current contract. Now, there are suggestions that Lucas Torreira doesn't want to be sold. Lucas Torreira doesn't want the club to move him on permanently, that he doesn't really particularly want to join Fiorentina moving forward, who qualify for Europe, by the way, uh, just uh, the other day, which is, is great for them. I think there's a there's a, a view sort of doing the rounds at the moment that Lucas Torreira would be quite happy to go out on loan again for another season uh, whilst remaining under Arsenal's ownership with a view to him then being able to go somewhere on a free transfer at the end of next season when his contract ends. And why does that benefit the player, you might ask? Well, it's quite obvious. Signing on fees have become a big thing. And they're almost becoming uh, just like transfer fees nowadays. I mean, you look at that Kylian Mbappe signing on fee. 
Um, you know, I know it's completely different. We're talking about Lucas Terreira that, you know, they're not the same thing. But what you're starting to see is you're starting to see a lot of players, as Arsene Wenger rightly predicted, actually, uh, many, many years ago, prefer to run down their contracts and see that fee hit their own pocket as opposed to it being exchanged between clubs. So, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with Lucas Terreira. But that's what I've read over the past couple of days. And, and that's a little bit... Uh, frustrating from an Arsenal perspective because he is one of the players who, although I think has ability and quality, um, is one of those guys that we just we just need to move on. You know, we we do need to move on. Um, apologies if I miss out on a lot of your questions. The chat is constantly updating, and I've accidentally skipped through a load of it. Feel free to pop them in again. Um, in in that instance uh but let's see uh what you guys are saying Riddy says harry if we can't afford a top quality striker like lautaro martinez or gabriel jesus then would you take dominic calvert lewin as first choice i wouldn't i'm not a fan of dominic calvert lewin at all um i never have been i've never felt that he ticks enough of the boxes for me i think that he's got some qualities and i think he's very physical and he's very powerful his season this season has been riddled with injuries and that would be a concern for me. Um, but no, um, you know, he's not the answer for me. You know, Gabriel Jesus would be great. I'd welcome Lautaro Martinez as well. Although in terms of his profile, I don't think he's as good a fit. I still think Darwin Nunez is a very, very good option and somebody that we should be looking at and considering. Uh, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin is not on my list. And as I said, over the next couple of weeks, I'll be giving you my lists, my thoughts, the players that I'd like to see come and the players that, um, you know, I don't think necessarily would be the right fit. Uh, Matt says, Harry, not that I want him to be sold, but how much do you think Gabriel is worth? When you think about the fact that we did a deal to bring him to the club that was probably worth in total around about 27, 28 million pounds. I think if you are going to sell him on, you've got to be looking for in excess of 50 million pounds. I think he's come in and adapted to the Premier League very, very well, very, very quickly. Um, you know, and, and the fact that we don't need to sell him means that that price point should be increased, right? In terms of what we would come to the table for. Uh, nothing less than 50, maybe 60. Um, you know, I think that's probably about right for Gabriel based on what we've seen of him since he um, since he joined the club. Uh, Tezzy May, hope you're well, mate. He says, Harry, I want to know how the atmosphere after the game compared to previous seasons. I've never wanted to be there live so much. The atmosphere post-game um, yesterday was superb. And it goes back to what I was saying on the reaction podcast that I did last night when I got home, um, which was you can see online opinions that are amplified that are negative and opinions that um you know are along the lines of the fact that we have failed this season and we haven't done what we needed to do and we have got problems and we should be worried about that and we should be concerned about that and we shouldn't be happy with how the season ended up i had people in the chat last night saying why am i celebrating a fifth place finish i never celebrated it um in fact, I was quite the opposite. I was saying how disappointed and deflated I felt at the time and that only in time would I be able to look back and, and really assess this season uh, fairly. And I still stick by that. I think online you can get sucked into a few negative opinions that are amplified and, and almost fall into the trap of believing that that is 
what the larger fan base and the wider fan base think it will be true for some people. But based on what I saw with my own eyes and witnessed and felt inside the stadium yesterday, the match-going fans that were there at Emirates Stadium were obviously a little bit dejected, but also appreciative of the job that's been done, appreciative of the fact that they feel connected once again, and appreciative of the fact that we're moving forward. Now, people will always say, well, results matter. It doesn't matter how appreciated uh, or how appreciative you are. It doesn't matter how connected you feel with the group, with the players. It's all about results. And results are obviously the most important thing in football. Results are obviously right at the top of the list of priorities and right at the top of what you want to see. But to feel that connection again to me is a real positive. And to feel engaged in my club again in a way that I hadn't for two or three years prior. That's not to say I wasn't interested and I wasn't passionate and I wasn't going to games. I was. And I was doing this all throughout that period. But I really do feel that connection again. I really do feel that we as a, as a football club are, are becoming more united again. And, and I think that we've dealt with a lot of behind-the-scenes issues and cultural issues that this football club has had to suffer with it for a long, long time now. So I think the atmosphere within the ground yesterday, Tezzy, was the, the biggest, I, I guess, indication to me thus far that even though there was disappointment in the air, even though there was frustration about where we ended up and how it all came about, that people are, are well into this, that people have bought into this and that people are at the very least appreciative and understanding of the challenges that Mikel Arteta and this young group of players um, have faced. Okay, uh, let's keep going uh, through the chat box. Um, A79 says, would you consider having Bellerin as the other right-back choice with Tommy Asu? No. Um, again, another one who, you know, isn't the worst player in the world and has, has been a good servant to Arsenal over the years, but another one who clearly isn't all in on the project, who clearly isn't on board. And when you can't afford to go out and bring in the very elite every single summer, when you can't afford to, um, you know, break the bank and take huge gambles and risks on transfers in the way that Arsenal can't, then it's important that the culture is right because that, to a degree, can help try and level the playing field as much as possible closes some of the gap between you and the other sides. And I think that, you know, Hector Bellerin wanting to go was enough for me to say, OK, look, you've given us all you've given us. See you later. And I'm, I fully expect Arsenal to facilitate his permanent move away. Um, you know, what that looks like financially, I don't know exactly, but I do expect him to to move on permanently. And I think that that's right. And I think that when we talk about KSE and we talk about the Cronkies and we talk about backing, as it's it's important to talk about the money that we spent and the players that we've made big investments on, but it's equally important to to highlight the the players that we've almost just said, okay, we'll cut our losses with them, because that too is a big financial hit, right? You know, in a different way, but it's still a financial hit to be able to look at a player that in the transfer market may have commanded. 10, 15 million pounds and go, it's all right, just terminate it. He wants to go, we want him gone. To be willing to do that suggests that they are willing to make big change and to back and to fund um, the change. And people always say to me again, when I, when I make this sort of point, well, it's not KSE's money, it's Arsenal's money. Yep. Okay. Get that. The money belongs to the business technically, but the business belongs to them. And so ultimately, um, you know, they have the power to do that, whether we like it or not. 
Um, Amira says, when fans talk about the poor mentality, they bring up the manner of some of our losses. But what about some of our wins that we would have lost this last season kind of games like Chelsea away and West Ham United away? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I don't think that mentality has been the problem this season. I don't think that there's been a bad attitude. I don't think that the attitude of some of our players has, has stunk in the way that it did in years gone by. Um, you know, I, I really, truly do believe that we've frozen on big occasions at certain points. We've struggled to, to find that mental strength to break through certain barriers and we've struggled to push through difficult moments and difficult situations. But I don't think it's due to a poor mentality. I think it's due to a lack of experience. And I think those are very different things. I mean, against Chelsea, away from home, right? And, and I was at that game, you know, we took a lead. We got pegged back straight away. We took a lead again. We got pegged back straight away again. And we still had that resolve and that confidence and that self-belief to go out in the second half and find a third goal and ultimately go on and win the game. And, and that shows that even when pegged back, that we, we can find it within us, that we can push forward, that we do have that mental capacity to bounce back from things. But we haven't been able to display that often enough. So you look at games like Chelsea and you see them as an, as an encouraging example. But at the same time, um, you know, at the same time, we need it to happen more often. We need it to be done more often. We need it to to show more often and we need to be able to evidence it on a much more regular basis if we're going to push on to the level that we want to get to. Let's take a few more. Um, what else have we got? Uh, thank you uh, very much to uh, Sleep. Interesting choice of name uh, for your very kind super chat donation, mate. He says, uh, where is it? He says, are links of Ilkay Gundogan to Arsenal true? I would take Ilkay Gundogan with open arms. I think he's a superb player and he's a real clutch player, isn't he? I mean, he popped up and delivered the goods when Manchester City needed it most yesterday. So am I a fan of Ilkay Gundogan? Yes. Um, but is it a deal that I expect Arsenal to get done? I'm not really sure. Um, you know, there's obviously always going to be those links to Manchester City players because of Mikel Arteta's relationship with a lot of them, because of the fact that that connection is there. I think that it feels at times like a really easy story to write. Um, but whether we'll be able to get those deals done, I, I don't know. I mean, if there's one player that you're going to pick, play, uh, sorry, if there's one club, one team that has such an abundance of talent that you're going to try and pick off their excess players, then Manchester City would be one of them, right? Uh, so again, it's a deal I would back and support, but is it a deal that is realistic? Is it a deal that's on the cards? I'm not so sure. Uh, moving on. Um, what else have we got? Just scrolling through the chat box. Here we go. Jid says, what about Martinelli? Would you change next season? Uh, sorry, what about Martinelli? Would you change next season? Seeing as he's only had six goals and six assists, underwhelming for the hype and price placed on him. So I'm a big believer that M Martinelli is still not quite as developed as some Arsenal fans would have you believe. Now, that doesn't mean he's a bad player or that he's ba had bad games every time or that he's not been uh, effective because I think at times even when he hasn't been the one to score the goal, to provide the assist, his sheer presence scares the living shit out of defenders because of how quick he is, how all action he is, how intense he is. And I think he brings a lot to the side, even outside of his goals and assists tally. But I do think there is a need 
on Gabriel Martinelli to mature, to develop, to be able to produce end product more often. And I think that is my sort of, I don't want to call it a criticism. When I look at him, what I believe is probably his biggest development area. It's not just about the execution, though. It's not just about the finish. It's not just about the execution of, of the pass leading to a goal. It's about making the right decisions at the right times. And sometimes I still feel he gets that wrong. But again, young player developing. And again, I'll make the point that I made at, on numerous points and through numerous um, shows this season is that that shouldn't be so obvious. The reason it is so obvious is because we've chosen to go down this project youth. And what that then means is that the inconsistencies and the development areas uh, that these young players have are going to be on show more often than they would be in a stronger squad where they're only called upon from time to time. And as an enhancement, as a backup, as opposed to being, um, you know, what they are now, which is the real focus of what we're doing. What else have we got? Uh, Maxim says, do you also think or feel that certain fan channels are starting to become a real problem for Arsenal going forward? I don't think they're a problem. Like this is a fan channel, ultimately, right? This is a fan. You can call it a podcast, but it is a fan piece of media, if you want to call it that. In, a, in an, an age where fan media is very, very prevalent and very, very powerful. I wouldn't go as far as saying they're a problem because I, I'm a big believer that in order to form an opinion, you need to make assessments and judgments for yourself. There's nothing wrong with watching different content, consuming different content, entertaining and listening to different point of views and taking the bits that you agree with um, from them in order to form your opinion. Because I think that's that's a good way of doing it, right? Because sometimes your thought process won't allow you to get to certain places. I say that about myself as well. You know, sometimes my thought process is, is one way somebody will say something to me that prompts me to look the other way and prompts me to to be a little bit more open-minded. And that can then help me to form a more accurate, more rounded opinion and more balanced opinion. I don't think fan channels are a problem, but I do think that um, what what's happened is we've got to a place in the world where, you know, clicks are what make the world go round. Um, and the revenue that comes off the back of that. And I do feel like there are a lot of people who have seen certain fan channels and certain uh, people build very, very big followings by being very, very reactionary and have decided that that's the route that they want to go down. And listen, it works. And that's why people do it at the end of the day. I would say if you don't agree with that content, if you don't like that type of what I'd describe as overreactionary content. And I'm not digging anybody out specifically. That's not fair um, to do that because everybody, you know, does their own thing. There are people that think my content is absolutely shit and can't stand it. I get told enough times in a day uh, that it's awful, that I'm Cronky's PR machine. And that's fine. What I would say is the same thing that I say to those people. If you don't like it, don't listen. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Um, there's no good giving it sort of the time of day and then moaning about it why give it the time of day in the first place? And I say that to people that don't like my channel as well. Um, you know, if, if you're not a fan, if you're not interested, then see you later. Like, it, it's cool. Like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, so I don't know that they're a problem. I think people need to think for themselves a little bit more. And I think people probably need to nowadays consume a variety of content in order to have those balanced opinions. Because the overreactionary stuff is what works and is what works on YouTube and is what sells. 
and and that's why a lot of those people i think even when they believe something you know 50 percent, 60 percent will will put it across as though they believe it 100 percent because it gives them the opportunity to to maximize what they're doing their product their their show and listen each to their own good luck to them um i do think there's there's people like that in the the mainstream media now as well though so it's just the way of media nowadays and as i always say to people if you don't like it stop giving it breathing space stop giving it airtime and um i'm not talking about you maxim but in general like if if somebody hates the chronicles of aguna don't spend an hour of your day watching it like you know because yeah you know what i mean uh what else have we got um uh, big hello to Lynn, who joins us in the chat. Lynn says, for me, Harry, we have to try and bring in players that could be playing CL football to take us to the next level, because if we do that, the transition will be easier to get prepared. 100%. 100%. It's just whatever's possible at this moment in time, isn't it? Um, Jay Ferguson says, question, how many central midfielders should we be targeting? One or two. I think we need someone to be a backup to Thomas and, of course, to replace Granite in the starting 11. Great channel as well. Thank you so much, Jay. Um, yeah, a couple would be ideal. But I think that if we only got one of a very high calibre but managed to bring in the other positions that we need to so a top, top striker, fullback, centre-back, whether that's William Saliba or not, then I'm OK with that. Um, I think that with Xhaka, Partey and a top draw midfielder, and then you're looking beyond that at people like Le Congo, who clearly the club have a plan for moving forward. I think the fact that he got some game time yesterday was was a sign of that. The only I didn't say this on the post-match reaction podcast because we kind of got consumed by the bigger picture. But one of the things that really I found strange yesterday was, you know, you want Le Congo to come on and get a bit of game time. You want Le Congo to come on and, and develop and, and, and build his confidence and grow and, and give himself an opportunity to get some more Premier League minutes under his belt. And you bring on Sambi Lakonga to replace Granit Xhaka. Actually, I would have brought him on to replace Mohamed Elneny because I would have liked to have had a good look at Lakonga with a better centre midfielder alongside him in the shape of Granit Xhaka. Now, I know the game was done and I don't know if there was another reason for that, but it just seemed strange to me at the time because one of the problems that Lakonga's had in the second half of the season, and he looked okay, in the first half when he came into the side. But one of the problems that he has had is that when he has played, he's always had a substandard partner alongside him. There's no getting away from that. Um, whether that be Elneny, whether that be Patino, whoever it might be, it's never been, we've never had, um, you know, a, a solid partner alongside him for a sustained period of time for us to have a really good look at him. Um, so that's where I'm at on that. Um, I'm going to take uh, just a couple more of your questions because we've been going for uh, the best part of an hour. You probably heard my son uh, calling me uh, from the end of the garden. I left the, the patio door open. Silly move. Um, but yeah, I think my dinner's ready as well. Um, sorry, but man's got to eat. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Paul James says, Harry, uh, I subscribe despite not always agreeing with you because you can articulate your opinion and you respect opposing views. Thank you so, so much, mate. Um, really really do uh appreciate uh your support and and as i say look you don't have to agree with me you don't have to think that what i say is right all the time um and and having that debate and that back and forwards is is part of what gives me the ability to basically do a solo show uh, on a daily basis so i don't want to take out i don't want to 
eradicate or, or make this a place where people can't come with different opinions. I just, going back to what I was saying at the top of the show, I just cannot be bothered to deal with people calling me every name under the sun uh, and all of that on a daily basis. Like, I, I don't need that. Do you know what I mean? I, I can, I've got enough stuff to worry about and actually focus on that's important. Um, and so I, I will be blocking those people going forward. But people like yourself, Paul, um, cracking to have you here. Uh, Alex Hasib says, uh, what's for dinner, Harry? I think um, I think there's um, I think it's a, a pasta and prawn dish. I think I think I think that's what I was told this morning. I don't probably was half asleep at the time, but yeah, uh, I think that's what's on the menu. I'll let you know tomorrow. <laughs> Look, just a quick reminder as well. Don't forget that we'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, a couple of shows. We'll be bringing you the press review show, um, of course, later on in. Uh, the day or we'll be bringing you some form of content later on in the day uh, but of course uh, myself and Mike Stavry will be live on the channel at 12 30 p.m uk time to break down Arsenal's season in numbers that is going to be um, really really interesting uh, looking forward to doing that and providing some context uh, to all the things that we've been talking about uh, big hello to Nav Gill who says Harry love your channel and your energy f the haters they're just petty and small thank you so so much mate loving all the support in the chat box. Look, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much. Just a quick roundup of the big stories doing the rounds today. According to The Telegraph, Mikel Arteta has urged Arsenal to make an aggressive £25 million bid for Yuri Tielemans of Leicester, who is out of contract in the East Midlands come the end of next season. Juventus have, and I quote, launched a full-scale attempt to sign Arsenal centre-back Gabriel Mohamed Elneny's uh, one-year contract is due to be announced very, very soon. And I think the fact that Arsenal started putting out touch maps uh, from Mohamed Elneny on their official channels earlier uh, was sort of building up towards that. Uh, Saliba has said that he wants to come back to Marseille and play Champions League football and experience it at the Stad Velodrome. Interesting stuff from him. Bern Leno has been linked with a move to Benfica. And that's about it for today. We'll be back very, very soon with more. I'll catch you all next time. Until then, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.